At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, is how you can get in touch with us. We want to hear from you out there. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that is where you can hear us. And, guys, it is the divisional round of the playoffs. I am pumped up. Last week, I spent it in the sports book the entire weekend watching all these games. I got to tell you, it, on my list, and I've said this um, in a couple of different formats, on my list of all-time great playoff weekend, opening weekend, wild card round, it's got to be up there among the best. I mean, we had dynamic games. We had close games. We had comebacks. We had star players. We had great prop plays. We had everything. That you could possibly ask for. It was a great week for me personally, right? I mean, I went undefeated. <laughs> it was a, a great, great week for me when we're talking about, uh, you know, betting-wise. Prop plays, I crushed it. I posted, actually, I actually threw down because I was up so much money on Monday. And I didn't love the game. I only had the under, uh, which completed my 3-0 and Wild card weekend round, but I threw 50 bucks on Cameron Brait to score a touchdown at 10 to 1 and even hit that. I posted that over on social media. Anybody that, that uh, wants to take a look that, uh, at that, and I'll tell you, look, that, that's the kind of weekend it was for me. But as a sports fan, it was a great weekend. As a sports better, it was a great weekend. And the, the books generally got crushed. I was talking to some of the bookmakers, and obviously, the public loves unders. The public loves underdogs, right? And we had a couple of dogs win outright. We had a couple of that. But uh, Dallas was a team that was a favorite, walked overhandedly easily. San Francisco was a favorite. Yeah, that wasn't a, a problem whatsoever. So you, you had some favorites there. Um, the Giants actually were garnering quite a bit of public money, so the public did well with them. Uh, you know, I know that Bengals hurt people, but the overs, guys, the overs, the unders came into the look, the end of the season. The unders were 50 and 34 since 2012, uh, 2002. That's a 20 year backlog. The under was 50 and 34 in the postseason. The unders, one under last week. One under last week. Five, and, and by the way, the under came in Monday night. And a lot of people got crushed on that. 
I gave it out at 46. I was in the sportsbook minute before at 45 and a half. And there were guys uh, that were telling me that they lost because they had 44 and a half and 45s, depending on where you're shopping. So I'm counting it as one and five to the over five, the over five overs out of six games. And, you know, look, depending on where you were shopping and what number you got, it could have been a complete sweep of the board for overs, which means the public did really well. I mean, we know that the public absolutely loves overs and the public did well, especially in the day and age that we're at where you almost never hear a prop player saying, I'm going to take the under. You just don't hear it. People love the overs and everything is the over. Go into a sports book. Go talk to your friends and say, hey, what do you like this week? Give me one prop you like this weekend. You're not going to get anybody to say an under, right? It's all going to be over. So what that that quick money comes, that late money, the, the drunken money, whatever you want to say, it's always going to be on the overs. Even if they don't like the team, the, the prop play overs. And it was a great weekend for sports bettors because we did have huge performances from big-time names, from big-time guys, from big-time players. Had a lot of overs. Uh, a lot of public teams came in. And then I hear in the background, as I say this, this is what I hear. Dun, dun, dun. Right? I mean, you almost hear the uh-oh situation. Because it's not often sports books get crushed two weeks in a row. They often don't get crushed in the playoffs. And this was an absolute, in all sorts of ways, a bad weekend for the sports books, no matter how you cut it from a football perspective. So you almost feel like the other shoe is going to drop. I look at these four games, and we'll get into them. I look at these four games, and I think that the public is going to say, I love the overs in every game again. And I think that the lines are very inflated here as far as the totals go. As far as the lines themselves, we'll get into it, certainly. I will say this. I expected some of these lines to be a little bit higher. Okay, I expected that. Now, this was the most competitive NFL season in history, according to the numbers. All right, so we do have that, that the line should be a little bit lower just because of the kind of season it is. I often talk about the NFL wants to say that they have parity, and well, game-by-game basis, on any given Sunday and all that nonsense, yeah, they certainly do. I mean, they certainly do. During the regular season, the average margin of victory was under 10 points, 9.7 points. That was the lowest uh, over uh, almost 100 years, okay? Uh, 90 years was the lowest since 1932, which means teams are playing a lot closer, a lot closer, okay? They also, and I got this from CBS, uh, they also had established four other records this year. Most games decided by six or fewer points, 122. Most games decided by seven or fewer points, 141. Most games decided by eight or fewer points, 156. Most games within one score in the fourth quarter, 203. The games were close this year. I mean, and that's what it is. The games were close this year. That's it. That, that that You can't say it was maybe, it feels that way. I just laid out the numbers. So I see some of these lines and I go, okay, maybe they're a shade too low from what I believed that they would be. Last week, I told you guys, I thought the San Francisco line was a little bit low, uh, but it was a fair line because it was a divisional opponent. I did think the Buffalo line was a little bit low. That wound up actually being a a closer game. So one and one in games that I thought were lined a little bit wrong. But now we go to the divisional round and things get a little bit different. Look, wild card round isn't just aptly named wild card, right? It usually gets wild. It usually gets crazy. There's usually all kinds of stuff going on. It does get crazy. But the divisional round is the kind of round where you sit back and you go, it settles down. 
things settle in in the divisional round. And when I talk about things settling in, home teams. Home teams not only usually win, but they usually dominate. Okay, now in the past, remember, a lot of these statistics, or or almost all the statistics, are when we had two home teams uh, in the divisional round who also got a bye week. So we only have one team in the bye week, but that's okay. Well, two teams in each, which means four. So it would... It's not only the bye week because it's rest, but it's also home team. But over the last 10 years, the home teams have won 29 of the 40 games. <laughs> I mean, what what that averages out to be is one upset per year. That's it. Now, last year, home teams went one and three. So it can go the other way. But generally speaking, I'm not talking about against the spread. I'm talking about just a win. So generally speaking, what you're sitting back and you're talking about is home teams absolutely just will move on in this round. So do you want to go out there and do you want to bet against a home team in a spot where you think they're going to win, but you're just taking the points? I've gone over this many, many times in my my career on 20 years on the radio, on you know 15 years doing this professionally. I've told people I have a very, very difficult time. Unless it's something ridiculous like in college basketball or in college football uh, where, you know, I'm getting 40 points. But I have a very, very difficult time overall taking a team that I think doesn't have a chance to win, but they'll keep it close. Well, a a team where I go, yeah, look, they're not going to win the game, but I think the line's too high. People do it all the time. You can make money doing that. That's fine. It's just not something I ever feel comfortable with. I don't feel comfortable taking an underdog that I think has no chance to win. Now, again, like I said, in college football, you know, you want to give me 40 points on a game. All right, maybe I'll take a shot. In college basketball, I've taken shots where I'm going, all right, listen, I'm getting 18 and a half points. I don't think they could win the game, but I don't think it's a blow. That happens a lot. But in the NFL, okay, in Major League Baseball, obviously, you're plus money line. In NHL obviously, you're plus money. If I'm taking an underdog, I think they have a legit shot to win. I am not a player that just goes, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's just a lot of points. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's just some points. So many times in the NFL, you hear people saying that. Oh, I don't think they're going to win, but... Which brings us to our first game. Saturday, 4.30 Eastern time. The Chiefs are 8.5-point favorites over unders 52.5 over the Jaguars. And I'll tell you my my thoughts right away, okay? We will break this game down. But my thoughts right away, my original thought, immediately right out of the gate, I love the Jags. The Jags are not getting the respect. I took the Jags last weekend. I took the Jags before the season. I told you they were going to win the division. I took the Jags team total before the season. I told you that they were going to go over that team total. I've been on the Jags for a while. I like what they're doing. I like the development. The Urban Meyer thing threw me off, but I like Trevor Lawrence. I like everything that the Jags are doing. And there's a lot of reasons in this game for me to sit back and say, yeah, I like the Jags. Look, eight and a half points. Oh, I like them. I like the Jags. It makes a lot of sense. But I got to pull this back. And I have to think to myself, do I believe that the Jags can win at home, uh, you know, in Kansas City? Do I believe that Kansas City is going to go down after a bye week? Okay, and we'll get into the Andy Reid bye week stuff. Do I believe that they're going to go down at home? I don't really believe that. I think that the Jags can play well. And would it stun me? Would I fall off my chair if the Jags won? No. But if you're just asking me, not as a sports better, just as a sports radio host, as a fan, as just Tom Barton walking around, I'm going to tell you every score probably has the Jaguars close. But every score I kind of have the Chiefs winning. 
It's just too much to sit back and think that the Jaguars can go into Kansas City after the bye week and get the win. I like the Jags, and I think they'll play close. But let's talk about it. Okay, these two teams met in Week 10. Kansas City won by 10 points, 27-17, but that was a game they absolutely dominated. Okay, they really did. They owned Jacksonville. I don't know how that score only was 10, but see, here's here's where you get into trouble when you lay in 8.5. Because Kansas City dominated, they only won by 10. Mahomes looked great. He looked unstoppable in that game. Jacksonville didn't have any answers, which most of the league doesn't have any answers for the likely to soon be MVP. I get that. But that's also when Jacksonville wasn't playing great. That put Jacksonville at 3-7 and seven going into their bye week. So Doug Peterson, I talked about this before the year, Doug Peterson was still trying to work things out, still trying to undo what Urban Meyer did last year. He's still trying to unravel that. Then they go into the bye week, settle down, let's look at the team we are, and they came out of the bye week a completely different team than that Kansas City game. They came out of the bye week, they won six of the last seven games, they won the AFC South, they beat Tennessee in what was basically a playoff game, they then go out there and they won last week. Being down, they beat the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence threw 12 touchdowns and two interceptions over that last regular season span of games. And all of a sudden, the Jags were a different team. And the Jags, look, they are a different team. You can't look at the same team and, and think they are not a different team. Okay? Jacksonville has consistently gotten more underdog just hate than anybody else. Why? Because they're the Jags. And they've had a history of losing. But Jacksonville's 8-5 and five outright as an underdog this year. Yeah. 8-5 and five outright as an underdog. It's not covering, guys. That's outright. They they were underdog against the Chargers. Okay? That is also tied, by the way, for the most underdog wins in a single season in the Super Bowl era, including the playoffs. That's That's what you look at. And you go, no, the Jags are used to this. Jags are used to everybody counting them out. But it used to be, well, the Jags used to be everybody counting them out, and, and they get counted out, and not here. Absolutely not. Okay, so you do have that if you're Jacksonville. You play well, you're, you're rolling, you're looking good. It, it, it's all true. You also have the idea of the X's and O's. Let's talk about X's and O's, where Kansas City has an inexperienced secondary. And while the formula last week was run Travis Etienne and they got behind and, and it was forced to for Trevor Lawrence to throw, Kansas City has an inexperienced secondary. Trevor Lawrence can take advantage of that. They can. Jacksonville's defense, they are playing on big plays. Okay? That's what we're looking at. They like to slow the pace down, but they love big plays here, guys. And big plays are what you're going to need against Mahomes. You're going to have to turn him over. Well, with all that said, and I love the idea Okay, uh, of of taking them. I love the idea that Doug Peterson knows him really well. Andy Reid. Oh, he absolutely does. He spent ten years with Andy Reid. He was a player in Green Bay for three years. He was an assistant for seven years in Philadelphia, and a little bit in Kansas City. Peterson absolutely knows who he's going up against, but so does Andy Reid. And it comes back to that. It comes back to. As much as I love Mahomes, it's about Andy Reid. Andy Reid, off of a bye week, doesn't lose football games. He may not cover. Kansas City is one of the worst covering teams, first of all, not only this year, which they were one of the worst teams, uh, over the last two and a half years. 
the Kansas City Chiefs do not cover. Why? It's Patrick Mahomes. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. The line's going to be inflated, right? But I'm talking about winning. Andy Reid off of a bye week is one of the greatest gifts a sports handicapper has gotten. Kansas City and Andy Reid off of a bye week. Forget about it, just Kansas City. Philadelphia and Kansas City. Andy Reid in his 24-year coaching career off of a bye week is 28-5. and 28-5. That's including the playoffs. And I mentioned it's not only Philadelphia and Kansas City. Let's just look at Kansas City. In games where Patrick Mahomes has had Reid, Mahomes is 9-1 and one off of a bye. The Chiefs have averaged over 30 points per game in those 10 games. And here comes the Jaguars. A Jaguars defense that's going to have to take shots. A Jaguars defense that was beaten up by Patrick Mahomes in the first meeting. And a Jaguars defense that their biggest problem on defense, you can argue, they could stop the run really well. We watched what they did against Derrick Henry, holding him to less than five yards in the second half. They could stop the pass at times. They can make big turnovers. Their biggest weakness, stopping tight ends. The Jags surrendered almost 1,100 receiving yards to tight ends and 13 yards per reception. Both were top three worst in the NFL. Here comes Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's been a little quiet at the end of the year. Here comes Travis Kelsey in a big spot at home against this defense. Now, both of these teams finished the season ranked in the top 10 offensive DVOA and the bottom half in defensive. So the total sitting here at 52. I think everybody expects this huge shootout. But if you're Doug Peterson, aren't you trying to run with Travis Etienne? Look, you can run on Kansas City. I know Nick Bolton is a little bit better than than what we give him credit for or what I, I guess everybody is talking about. I get that. And Kansas City has done things to shore up this. But you can run on this team. And as much as I like Trevor Lawrence, I heard some moron talking head okay, out there saying Trevor Lawrence is turnover prone. No, he's not. No, he's not. Now, he didn't look good in his first playoff game or the first half, okay? Uh, Certainly not. But he's not a turnover-prone guy. With that being said, in a tough environment, maybe the loudest, I know Seattle's going to be mad at me, but maybe the loudest stadium in the, the country, in Kansas City, in a game that, oh, by the way, let's talk a little weather, is supposed to be maybe snow showers. It's supposed to be really cold. The boy that came from Clemson and then Jacksonville going into that environment. I know we have the utmost confidence in Trevor Lawrence. I get it. But wouldn't you want to run the ball? Wouldn't you want to run the ball and keep Trevor uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes off the field? Wouldn't you want to run the ball and keep Trevor Lawrence in a good position? Screen plays to Travis Etienne. Small passing plays to Evan Ingram. Drain that clock. And that concern keeps me away from jumping all over this 52-and-a-half total. Line opened up at 51. It's up to 52-and-a-half and rising. People are going to be all over this over. So, in short, my, my analysis of this game comes down to, I think that Kansas City is going to win the game based on the track record, based on them being at home, based on them being the, the home favorite in Kansas City with Mahomes and coming off of a bye week. It's hard for me to say that Kansas City is not going to win the game. But I do think the Jacks keep it close. Now, close could be, what, a three-point game and Kansas City tacks on a touchdown at the end. You lose by 10. Close could be the blowout in the first meeting where blowout actually only equaled 10 points. So the line is pretty set right for me. 
I don't think I'm going to be touching this one. I lean Jacksonville. I lean the eight and a half. I think my favoritism and my rooting interest is a little bit towards Jacksonville in the eight and a half. But it's just too much to go up against Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes after a bye week at home in a playoff game, in a cold playoff game. I just I, I just can't do that. I love the Peterson angle, okay? But I think it could work against them as well because you do have the Andy Reid knowing Peterson as much as Peterson knowing Andy Reid. I, I would sit back and say this could be a fun, fun, fun watching game. As far as angles, betting-wise, I don't love it. I kind of like, if you want to take some, some prop plays here, I do think Travis Kelsey is a fantastic prop play. Evan Ingram to score a touchdown makes a lot of sense. You're getting about 220 back on that. Travis Etienne, yeah, I could see you going in, although his his prop plays are a little bit up. And look, if they get behind again, he's not going to run the ball. So if you're going to do something with Travis Etienne, it's probably all-purpose rushing and receiving is a better prop play as opposed to just plain rushing yards. But out of the coming out of this game, I mean, Travis Kelsey might be the best play while you sit back and you watch this game. Root for Jacksonville if you want. I love them to win the game outright. I think Kansas City does win. But are we going to lay it a 3-1 to one to just watch a win? I don't think so either. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do, we got lots more on tap. All the rest of the games, including, oh boy, oh yeah, Bills and Bengals. Everybody's number one game this week. And we'll talk about all that more right after this right here on Wagering Week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get the gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're going to take a look at the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar Jackson was not even in the building for their wild card game. Things are broken off so badly. People are commenting that Lamar just didn't want to play because, you know what, he doesn't have a contract. Has things gone so bad for Lamar and the Ravens that he won't be there? Well, I have odds that Lamar Jackson's next team will not be the Ravens. Let's take a look. If it's not the Ravens, the Patriots, 4-1, to one, Jets, plus 450, Falcons plus 550, Raiders plus 650, Bucks, Commanders come in at 7-1, Titans at 8-1, Saints, Niners, Panthers 10-1, Texans are 12-1, Packers and Rams rounded out at 16-1. That is what are the odds? Yeah, I mean, some of these are just ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> some of these are just ridiculous. Look, um, the Niners, are, are we nuts? You know, take the Niners right out of there. Uh, everybody else is... I guess as a shot, the Rams and Packers at 16 to one right now, they got Stafford and Rogers and there's no way 
that the Packers would lose Rodgers and then not turn to Jordan Love after all the, the backlash that they got. The Rams, unless Stafford suddenly retires after he just said he's coming back, that, that's crazy, 16-1. to 1. The Texans, I mean, the Texans have the capital to do it. Uh, who would they bring in? We, we, Texans are too hard because we don't know who they're going to bring in. Panthers need it. The Panthers certainly need him. Panthers makes a little bit of sense, actually. Uh, I don't know if they have the capital to do it, but the Panthers make a little sense. Saints, I don't see him going to New Orleans. I think they need a lot more than just that. The Titans make a lot of sense as well. I don't know if they have the draft. Not even I don't know. I'm pretty sure they don't have the draft capital to do it. Washington, same boat. The Bucks. well, if they lose Tom Brady, they have a lot of available cap room. That could be interesting. The Raiders, they're shooting for Brady and Rodgers, right? And if they don't come up with Brady and Rodgers, maybe the Raiders is a place that he can play. That could get interesting. Falcons makes a ton of sense just from an X's and O's standpoint. Uh, but I don't see that happening. The Jets and the Patriots. I, I don't know if Bel- Bill Belichick wants a, a Lamar kind of player on his team. He already had Cam Newton, a run-first quarterback. And that's what Lamar is. I mean, I like him, but he's a run-first quarterback. He already had that. It didn't work out too well. I think he likes that pocket passer. I think that he's just it's just ingrained into his head to be that pocket passer. I, I don't see him going. I don't see him going there. If I had to put my money up, look, the Jets are intriguing. The Jets can certainly be that intriguing team. They have some draft capital. Uh, they can make some move. The Jets are an intriguing team. The Falcons would make a lot of sense, X's and O's. You can never count out the, the Raiders. I, I Look, if I'm looking at this, I kind of want to see him with the Panthers because I think the Panthers could be pretty good this year. I, I like that defense. I could kind of see him there. So something to keep an eye on. All right, let's go to Giants-Eagles Saturday night. The NFC least all of a sudden become the NFC beast. They have three of the four teams left in the NFC left. Giants are taking on the Eagles here. Really, we're going to look at this, and there's going to be a lot of people that point to that Week 18 game. Don't do it. Don't, just don't do it. The Eagles, yeah, they needed the game, but they, they were kind of going through the motions. The Giants certainly didn't need the game. They played really well. Uh, Eagles got up. They kind of let the Giants come back in that game. The line's seven and a half, and I've seen this go down to seven, which is that key number. 48, 48 and a half is the total. Again, key number when you're looking at that seven to seven and a half, and that could be the difference here. I will say this. Last week, people were all over the Giants. They love the Giants against Minnesota. It made sense. The narrative for months had been that the Minnesota Vikings were the team that you could not count on. They were the team that was going to go down. The Minnesota Vikings were the team that you looked at and you said, yeah, you know, they're fraudulent. They're fraudulent 13-4. and four. They were fraudulent because they had 11 wins within one score. Nobody believed in Kirk Cousins, who, oh, by the way, played really well. Nobody believed in that coaching staff. Nobody believed in them. So a lot of things added up to it was almost an anti-Minnesota play as much as it was a pro-Giants play. Now, there's a lot of elements to like for the Giants to go on a run to like this. Look, they're finally starting to find their offense. Brian Dable is a really good coach. Uh, their defense is getting healthy. Leonard Williams has been out for a lot of the year. Dexter uh, Lawrence has looked really, really good. There's a lot to like 
about the Giants as, you know, that underdog team. There's a lot there. But I think that a lot of what it was last week really had to do with the fact that people were just betting against the Vikings as much as they were betting on this Giants team. Now, all of a sudden, I look at the numbers, and yeah, people love the Giants again here. People are all over the Giants in another spot where now I'm a little concerned. Now I'm a little worried. Now I'm looking at this and I'm saying, this this could be the, the kind of reverse situation. Because the Giants are a good team. They're really well coached. But they are absolutely and completely and utterly, and every other word you want to say about it, totally overmatched from a talent standpoint. Now, I will say this. The Giants cornerbacks played well. They really shut down Justin Jefferson last week. That was a phenomenal job. But if you do that against A.J. Brown here against the Eagles, well, you still have Devontae Smith. You still have the running game. You still have Jalen Hurts. The Eagles are not really a public team, and and I don't know why. The Eagles have done everything they can this year. Well, maybe it's because the Eagles are the Eagles and people just don't like to root for them. Or maybe it's because they got a little bit of Minnesota Viking in them, don't they? I mean, the Eagles, you look at them and you go, how can you trust this team right now? How can you trust the Eagles right now if you're a sports better and you're looking at this? Because... The Eagles have now played three bad games in a row, right? I mean, that's just reality. The Eagles have played three bad games in a row. The Eagles also have absolute holes in their team. The Eagles' defense, as good as it has been, and it has been one of the better defensive units out there, they've still surrendered the fourth most rushing yards per game to quarterbacks this year. And you go, well, it's the quarterbacks. Yeah, running quarterbacks give them problems. Uh, I'm a Bears fan. I watch Justin Fields give them all kinds of problems. 6.5 yards per carry. 6.5 yards per carry. Second worst in the league. And now all of a sudden comes Daniel Jones. I don't want to say that Daniel Jones is Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, but Daniel Jones starting to look a little bit like Josh Allen, who, by the way, Brian Dable unlocked his rushing potential, right? The Giants quarterback, now 107 rushing yards, 12 carries against the Eagles in 2022. They ran all over them in two games already. And we talk about the past games because they have played two in a row. Let's talk about those past games, okay? Because you do have the past games. Well, past games, (laughs) the Week 14 blowout that the Eagles absolutely blew the Giants out. That's what everyone's going to point to. Because like I said, you can't really look at that. You can't look at that Week 18 game and take away really much other than, well, the Giants played close and okay. But the Week 14 game is what everyone's got to point to. The Giants were missing some starters. Leonard Williams, who I've been screaming about for a long time, Leonard Williams was out of that game. Leonard Williams, when he's in there or out of there, is a massive difference to the Giants. The numbers, I could reel off the numbers for you all day long. Leonard Williams is a massive difference when he is in there. He was out. Xavier McKinney, the starting safety, was out. But Adoree Jackson was also out. And before you just brush aside Adoree Jackson, like I said, he shut down Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he was on Justin Jefferson 85% of the snaps last week. Jefferson, six catches, 37 yards against Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson was not on the field for that Philadelphia blowout in Week 14. Leonard Williams is not on the field. 
this is really a spot where you go, yeah, I know that the Eagles won 48-22. to I know they won 22-16. I get it. Okay, by the way, that, that second game was a blowout. It's 19-3 going into the fourth quarter, basically, or, you know, even into the fourth quarter. All right, I get it. And you could say, well, the Giants have been blown out 70-38. to Yeah, but again, they're missing a lot of guys. How much did the Giants care? All of that. The Eagles are definitely susceptible to a loss here. But let's talk about this. The old adage here is that you can't beat a team three times. The Eagles, for lack of a better, I just said it, for lack of a better word, blew out the Giants in two straight games. So I could give you excuses. I could give you reasons. I could give you all you want. They blew them out. A lot of people going, well, it's hard to beat a team three times. No, it's not. Let's put that away right now. It is not difficult to beat a team three times. Since 1970, 24 teams have gone 2-0 against divisional opponents and then faced them into the playoffs. That's 24 instances where we go, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. 24 times. Remember, it's into the playoffs. So don't tell me, you know, a team doesn't care or a team doesn't. No, no, no. 24 times teams have gone into the playoffs. Those teams that went 2-0 went 3-0 15 of those times. They went 15 of 24 games. It's not hard to beat a team three times. 63% of the time, there's a three-game sweep. 63% of the time, guys. So while we can sit back and we can talk all about, you know, it's tough and the Giants are tough. and the Giants, Yeah, they are. But they also got blown out twice. And you give me the excuses all you want. I didn't have this guy. Well, this guy wasn't there. I don't know about him. Well, he wasn't banged up. Well, he didn't care about the game. No, you could give me all of that. At the end of the day, the Eagles blew him out twice. At the end of the day, the Giants' defense flat out couldn't stop Philadelphia. And the Eagles come at you in a an approach where what do you stop? You know, Brian Dable is a, a absolute huge component, and it sounds simple, but it's reality, of just attacking what you don't do well. I expect Daniel Jones to run really well here on that side of the ball, but how do you stop the Eagles? What is Brian Dable and, and that defensive coordinator and that defensive situation, how, what are they going to do to slow this team down offensively. Jalen Hurts was in the MVP running until he got injured. Jalen Hurts can run. He could pass. What do you take away? The run or the pass? How do you spy on Jalen Hurts? Because you also have Boston Scott, by the way, you prop players, have scored a touchdown in eight straight games against the Giants. He's got nine touchdowns in eight career games against the Giants. Yeah, Boston Scott's out there. Sanders is out there. right? Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, the running game, Jalen Hurts. If you just gave me that... I would say the Giants might have a hard time here. If you just gave me dynamic running, might tell me that the Giants Giants might be that, that team. But you also have that ridiculous passing game. A passing game that, yeah, Dallas Goddard's been injured a lot of the year. Now he's coming back with Smith, who has grown up into a, a bona fide number two. With A.J. Brown, one of the top, I don't think it's crazy to say, top five receivers in the game. So they have a deep passing game. They have a short passing game. You got to cover the tight end. You have to spy on Jalen Hurts. You got to cover the run. It's impossible to defend this Eagles team. And the Giants have felt that. Yeah, Leonard Williams coming back is certainly going to help. It's certainly going to help. 
And you can lock down A.J. Brown with a Dory Jackson. But what do you do with everything else? I mean, that's that's what the Giants are going to be in, and this is the, the spot. Now, in the Giants' favor, Lane Johnson banged up, offensive line banged up. I still don't know if Jalen Hurts is 100%, and they are getting seven and a half points in a divisional matchup. And Saquon Barkley can run, and Daniel Jones can shorten this game. I hate giving them more than seven in this spot. The Giants were the best against the spread team in the league at 14-4, and four, including the postseason. Right? I mean, they were the best. One of their non-covers, though. One of those four non-covers was against that Eagles team. The Giants are 11-2 against the spread this year as an underdog. But one of those underdog spots that they lost, one of the two, was against this Eagles team. <laughs> right? So, it is a real interesting matchup that I, I think... When you break this down, it's another sort of Philadelphia spot. I'm sorry, sorry, Kansas City spot. I think Philadelphia is sort of that, that spot. It, it's really difficult for me to think that the Philadelphia Eagles are not going to beat the Giants at home off of a bye week in this spot. It's really hard for me to think that. But I don't like laying seven and a half. I don't like laying seven and a half during the year. Like in week like eight, I don't like laying seven and a half. Right in a in this spot, I I don't like it against a divisional opponent on a row. I, I don't like it. Now it's the playoffs, so I love the seven and a half. Forty eight is an interesting number. If you believe the Giants' defense could come to play, you go into maybe the forty eight. But man, the Giants' offense have come to play, and they, they can't stop the Eagles. They cannot stop the Eagles. I told you I kind of want to take every under this weekend, just because of what happened last week. But this one almost screams to the over. The Eagles might go nuts. The Eagles could score 30. These two teams both could do a lot of different things here. I do expect some running from both of them. I'm up in the air about the total again. I lean the under uh, just because we saw so many overs. But the X's and O's say this is going to be an over game. All right, let's get to Dallas Niners. Sunday night, 6.30 game. Yeah, and I'm jumping to to this one because I want to save the big game for the final segment here. All the way bet down to three here in a reverse line movement spot. The Niners opened up at minus four. It's three, yet 70-something percent of the money is coming in on the Niners and 80-something percent of the tickets. Nobody believes in Dallas, and the line's falling. Total sitting here. 46, 46 and a half. Look, the Niners are just a juggernaut at this point. The Niners are unstoppable. The Niners are the greatest team we've ever seen. The Niners, Brock Purdy's MVP. The Niners are on an 11-game winning streak. The Niners are everything. They're at home. They're dominating teams. They are absolutely, this is the greatest team ever. I got to learn how to use, uh, you know, sound effects because that that was a that was a good screech, but I could have come up with a better. But er, hold on, because the San Francisco 49ers have had the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL this year. Half of their wins, half of them, came against the NFC West, where they went seven and zero. They went seven and zero against a Rams team that completely imploded upon itself, an Arizona team that just fired its head coach and didn't have its quarterback, and Seattle who was an upstart. They went 7-4 and four against everybody else. Okay? Brock Purdy looks great. San Francisco's won 11 straight games. They're 9-2 and two against the spread during that stretch. Right? Um, only four quarterbacks. Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez have ever made it to a conference title game. 
Brock Purdy takes over the starting job. He has looked great. He has been fantastic. Brock Purdy is the man. Brock Purdy has also faced five teams in the regular season that finished with a combined 35-49 and 49 record. Brock Purdy has not taken on a serious defense yet this season. Don't tell me the Dolphins. They were missing players in that game, no. So San Francisco is rolling. San Francisco has a lot going for them. But I worry about their level of competition. We often talk about this in college football, right? I mean, this is why everybody loves the SEC. We talk about this in college football. Oh, man, you know what? UCF Knights, they're undefeated, but who have they played? Oh, TCU, rolling people. Ah, TCU's going to the championship. Yeah, but who have they played? But we don't really talk about that in the NFL. Brock Purdy, who have they played? As far as Dallas goes, Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott coming into this round are the hottest quarterbacks right now. Dak Prescott looked awful at the end of the year. He looked really good last week. He looked really good last week. And these two teams are the two highest scoring teams in the NFL, okay, since week seven. The Niners traded for Christian McCaffrey at that time. Dak Prescott came back from his injury at that time. But both of these teams also rank in the top five and fewest points allowed. So this is strength against strength. This is the the good Dallas defense against the really hot and on fire San Francisco offense. This is the really hot and looking great last week Dallas offense against a dynamic number one overall ranked San Francisco defense. I mentioned that San Francisco went 9-2 and two against the spread the last 11 games that they've won all 11. Well, Dallas, Dallas is good against the spread covering team as well. Dallas is 24-12 and 12 against the spread since the start of last year. Third best in the league. The public is running to the window to jump all over this San Francisco team. And I get it why. You're an 11-win team. But the number has gone down. What that means is either the sports books feel like they made a mistake with the initial number, or big money, sharp money, quote-unquote, is coming in towards Dallas. I don't pay any attention to that. I really don't. I don't care. I don't care that you're sharp money this, or you think you're smarter than me that. Nobody's better than me right now. Nobody's had a better NFL season than I have. Tom Barton Sports has crushed it this year. Nobody's had a better. So I don't care where the sharp money might be coming in. I don't care. But I will tell you, it, a game like this takes a little, a little time to look within yourself and take a step back. Because my initial reaction was, wow, San Francisco is going to absolutely crush this team. San Francisco is going to crush. I'm still, I'm still spitting on Dallas for that Week 18 loss against Washington. One of my few losses this year. What were they doing there? That was awful. But I went back and I watched some film. I looked at the tape. Brock Purdy has played tremendously. Brock Purdy hasn't played anybody. I, I mean, he, his, he has played nobody, guys. And, and don't sit back and try to... Uh, Come, come up with the argument that Seattle's a team. Because they're not defensively at all. Not only was Seattle a bad defensive team during the regular season, they also lost Jordan Brooks, their best defensive player for the playoff game. He's a, He was their best player. One of the top five middle linebackers in the league. He's out for the playoff game on a team that was weak anyway. Seattle is not that opponent. During their 11-game winning streak, 
Who has Brock Purdy gone up against? Miami's defense in the first game that Purdy was there. So Miami jumps in. They had no time to prepare for this guy, their defense. Miami's defense wasn't terrible this year, but they weren't they weren't great. And look, Purdy didn't look great in that game anyway. I know Miami won, but Purdy only threw for 210. So that might be, that's the best defense he's faced. Okay, that's ridiculous. Tampa Bay, are we kidding me? Brock Purdy only threw for 185. Brock Purdy didn't look very good in that game. And Tampa Bay's defense has been an absolute sieve. I mentioned the numbers last week. 15th and 17th in most rankings in the league. Seattle, there you go. Seattle actually held them down to 21 points. Held Brock Purdy to 217. So Brock Purdy gets Miami, Tampa Bay, and Seattle, which we're all in agreement. They're on the bottom half, right? They're mediocre at best, 15, 17, 210, 185, 217. Washington, come on. Are we joking? Vegas, one of the worst offenses ever. They almost lost that game. And Arizona, pathetic. So all of a sudden, Brock Purdy, who has played really well, and I don't want to disparage what he's done. All of a sudden, Brock Purdy has looked really good. He's looked great. But he's played nobody. And here you go. Now, you got to come in. You got to play somebody. Brock Purdy might be the future of this franchise. But I don't know if he's taking him past Dallas after I've taken a step back and taken a look at this game. All right. Let's take a quick timeout. Uh, look, guys, it, it, it is Brock Purdy being the future. Let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay. All right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Well, I mentioned Lamar Jackson might have a new team next year. What about Tom Brady and the odds that Tom Brady will play? Well, let's talk about those odds here. Tom Brady, to go back to the Tampa Bay Bucks, it's a solid plus 200, 2-1 two to one if you believe he's going there. Las Vegas is plus 250. The Niners are plus 350. New England plus 750. Miami plus 750. The Jets 9-1. Giants 9-1. And the Tennessee Titans 15-1. Look, I, I think Brady is gone out of Tampa. I, I do. What's interesting is that people are automatically connecting him with the Raiders, and I just don't see it. Look, he wants to go to a team with a dynamic offensive line. Tom Brady, the one thing you could say, he doesn't want to be it, right? He doesn't want to be hit anymore. That was plain and obvious in that game against Dallas and most of the season. He wants a dynamic offensive line. He wants to go where he can win. I don't think he wants to stay in the AFC, or he wants to go to the AFC, where it's tough. He's going to have to go against Mahomes and Herbert and Lawrence and Burrow and Allen year after year after year, especially in his own division if Russell Wilson could do anything. that He's not leaving for that. I don't think he goes you know, to Washington where he's got to go up against a developing Giants team, the Cowboys and the Eagles. I don't think he goes to the NFC West San Francisco, forget about it. They already have that guy. He's not going to the NFC West. Certainly not Seattle, Arizona, or the Rams. So he's got two divisions to choose from. He ain't going to Green Bay. He's not going to Minnesota. Not going to Chicago. Not going... Well, hold on. The Lions make some sense. To me, look, I think the Miami Dolphins makes a lot of sense because he can play for a year. They're going to give him ownership, okay? That makes some sense. But outside of that, I know everybody's connecting him to the Titans, to the Jets, to the Patriots, because it would be fun. The reality is, is that Tom Brady going to a team with a great offensive line is where he wants to go, and a winnable division. So I don't see the Saints. I don't see Atlanta. 
to me, this is Carolina uh, and maybe Detroit. And I only say Detroit because the offensive line and the offensive weapons are dynamic. The offensive line might be the best in the business. Uh, he gets to play indoors. Uh, he's in a winnable division. I don't think that there's a lot of groundswell on Detroit, but it makes a little bit of sense. Carolina makes sense to me, too. Everybody wants to connect him to all these places. Uh, just understand, there are other places he can go. Let's talk about where he used to play and the team he used to dominate, the Buffalo Bills. They're a five-point favorite over Cincinnati. Over-unders up to 51. This is going to be a massively emotional game. First of all, from the standpoint of it's going to be Allen against Burrow. The game was canceled. I'm expecting Hamlin to be back here. It's also the first meeting ever between Burrow and Allen, uh, you know, obviously in the playoffs. But overall, because that game was canceled, we got a little taste of what that game was going to look like early on in Week 17, right? I mean, we got what well, Week 18. We got a little a little taste of it. Um, the stats didn't count, didn't matter, but Burrow had a perfect QBR, 158.3. He was 4 of 4, 52 yards and a touchdown, and they led 7-3. Both teams moved the ball down the field on each other, right? The Bengals, they want to pass the ball all day long. Even though they have Joe Mixon, they want to pass the ball. The Bills, they love to pass the ball. Although they were one of the more equal teams, they love to pass the ball. And I think that when you have a showdown and a matchup of Burrow against Allen, I think we're going to get the game that is lived up to Burrow against Allen. I really do. Here's the thing. The reason I've been down on Joe Burrow now for two years, and not Joe Burrow because I love Joe Burrow, but the Cincinnati team has been my worry about their offensive line. My absolute massive concern about their offensive line has been a big problem for me. A big problem. Now, you look at Joe Burrow, and he's gotten by. Last year, he got by. The offensive line looked a little bit better earlier on. But here we go. Joe Burrow loses Jonah Williams. Last week, that's a huge loss. He's, I mean, I think he could go out there and say he's the best offensive lineman they have. They're about three of their five starters on offensive line. So, while we have two teams ranked in the top eight in points per game, two teams ranked in the top 10 in offensive yards per game. Two teams ranked in the top eight in passing yards per game all during regular season. Yeah, it looks good. And Josh Allen's got some problems here. He's been uh, turning the ball over, over and over and over. 16 interceptions. He lost six fumbles. 16 interceptions, and, and that means 22 turnovers. That's more than anybody else. But I go back to Williams. They've lost three starting offensive linemen over the past three weeks. But Al Collins, Alex Kappa, and Williams. Okay, it doesn't look like any of them are going to play. The Bengals are 0-3 when Joe Burrow gets sacked five or more times. 13-1 when it's fewer than five times. Joe Burrow has never lost in the month of January. Oh, that's great. But Joe Burrow has never dealt with three of the five offensive linemen out. Joe Burrow's 3-0 against the spread as a playoff underdog, all coming in last season. Joe Burrow has never played with three of his offensive linemen out. Cincinnati's covered eight straight games as an underdog, right? And the Bills are the only team to be favored in every game this season. But I'll go back to it and continue to keep saying, but Joe Burrow, this is a different game for him. It's a different game when you don't have your offensive line. I think Cincinnati will be able to move the ball better than, than people giving them credit for. 
I think that Cincinnati and and Joe Burrow against Josh Allen should be fun. But this is in Buffalo. The Bills have lost one game ever in Buffalo in the playoffs. I mean, they just don't lose in Buffalo. Hamlin coming back. The absolute emotion of that game. Josh Allen now being doubted for what he is. The Miami scare last week. All of it adds up. And the defense of the Buffalo Bills sniffing blood in the water. You got to remember that these guys, and I know that you could say the same thing about Cincinnati, but Cincinnati got here last year. But these guys from Buffalo feel like they were robbed. They feel like they should have been in the Super Bowl last year, and by all accounts, they should have. They feel uh, like they have given their everything for two years and come up short because of a a silly rule. They're going to use that inspiration. If this is a game, and the NFL certainly is, where inspiration, where emotion absolutely plays a role. Everything is on Buffalo's side. Buffalo has home field. Buffalo has, and they're saying it could be, look, it's going to snow Friday. It's going to be a wintry mix Saturday, and it's going to snow on Monday. That that says to me, we might have snow in this game. It's going to be cold. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be Orchard Park. It's going to be maybe Hamlin coming back. It's going to be against the Cincinnati team with a lot of emotions. It's going to be the questions of Joe Burrow against Josh Allen. It's going to be all of the playoffs from last year. Everything is in their favor. And if you put these two teams out on the field 100 times, I think that Buffalo wins 50 times. I think Cincinnati wins 50 times. So I got to pick here who I think is going to win and the slight emotion is to Buffalo. But the idea that Joe Burrow is going to have to be behind a line with a really good defensive front coming at him without three of his offensive linemen, losing Jonah Williams last week, guys, I think late in the game that gets to him. Early on, I could see Burrow actually having a lead. Going into the half, I could see Burrow actually having a lead. But come the fourth quarter, those linemen, those technique guys, uh, those stunts, the backup linemen for Cincinnati, they're not going to be able to get it done. They're not going to be able to keep him upright. I think Buffalo wins this game. I think Buffalo wins this game because of the defense, because of what they can bring. And the thing that I've said that will keep Joe Burrow away from the Super Bowl for two years, from winning a Super Bowl for two years, I was against them in the Super Bowl. I didn't like him at the beginning of this year is because their offensive line can't protect him. And Joe Burrow just keeps getting crushed out there. Guys like Rousseau and Milano, could have a field day against backup offensive linemen. It's not a couple. It's a lot of them. One guy you could deal with. Three backup offensive linemen losing your best offensive lineman last week. I think it's just going to be too much. It should be a great weekend. Everybody enjoy it. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.